0: You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi everyone, you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I'm talking to Mike Victorson from M3 Insurance. He is the CEO of M3, and he has had an incredible journey here. He has humble beginnings from Escanaba, Michigan.
1: Humble beginnings.
0: <laughs> and I can't wait to dive into his story of just becoming CEO. He really climbed the ranks starting in the mail room, and just his leadership philosophy is incredible. So thank you for being on the show.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Kara. Yeah.
0: A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Escanaba. What was it like growing up for you?
1: Growing up was great. Escanaba was, uh, uh, it was safe. It was uh, community-based. Uh, friends were, were everywhere, just a bike ride away. Nice. Um, I was fortunate enough to have two really loving parents that focused a lot on raising us as upright young men. I've got two younger brothers, and uh, both of them came from Uh, Pretty humble beginnings, and so it was a lot of treat other people well, uh, the value of hard work. Um, uh, Don't ever think for a minute that anybody is better than you, and don't ever think for a minute that you're better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you approach life that way, things can can a lot of times work out.
0: That's a good upbringing to Mm -hmm. have. It was great. I have a question. So I ask a lot of entrepreneurs if there's a specific mindset that they hold, mm-hmm. kind of innate, that helps them become an entrepreneur. Do you think there's anything that you remember that helped you kind of grow to become a CEO?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that you use the word entrepreneur. I won't pick that apart too much, because mm-hmm. sometimes I see myself as one, and sometimes I don't. Okay. You know, At M3, I feel like more of a steward mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, because I, I did not start the business. And then at the same time, because we have to continue to reinvent ourselves, I do feel like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, you know, having the mindset of an entrepreneur that maybe connects back to my time growing up, having, having the, uh, the values instilled the view of, yes, you can try that, and it's okay to fail. Um, in a business setting, in a lot of ways, you have to fail fast, yeah. uh, because if you're not afraid to do that, uh, or if, you're not, if you don't have the ability to fail fast, I would say... Uh, you can get stuck in something uh, for too long and it doesn't allow you to pivot and move. Mm-hmm. But um, but having that mindset of uh, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to fail fast, mm-hmm. I think helps give you the courage to to try new things and to test out uh, what you think your customers uh, might need and want mm-hmm. and, uh, and can allow you to grow.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you mentioned pivoting because you mm. wouldn't think of that as a role as a CEO. But.
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, we, we, when we have young people come in, especially, like, whether it's uh, take your, your child to work day or, or, or people come in from college or mm-hmm. they're new to business, I think they believe a CEO's life is about running around making a whole bunch of decisions. Yeah. And <laughs> CEOs on a daily basis actually don't. If, okay. If, you know, if they have a, a great team like I think we do at M3 – Um, CEOs spend more time listening, asking questions, and to your point there, helping people pivot. Because Mm -hmm. life has a way, uh, when we're working on something, of throwing obstacles in your way. Uh, And you've got to sometimes make big pivots, but a lot of times it's about making these smaller micro-pivots to keep Mm -hmm. moving and, and developing a great solution for your team or your customer. Uh, But it's a a hugely important skill set, I think, in any leadership role, and certainly one that I think I've got to deploy as the CEO.
0: Hmm. Let's pivot ourselves and talk a little bit about your time at Augustana. So you studied speech communications and Mm poli-sci. Can you tell me a little bit more about where your love of speech came from and how this communication role has impacted you?
1: Well, you know, growing up, uh, whether it was my natural personality that would come out in school or at our church or at our dinner table, uh, which, you know, often could resemble at that time a little episode of Crossfire, Um, uh, communicating and especially orally communicating was uh, just a a huge, I I loved it. Um, uh, It was always fun being with. Uh, my grandfather or my father or his uncles or other people in town where they would tell stories. And so going to school and uh, having a desire to to be an attorney and potentially a politician, Mm -hmm. uh, I really felt like that speech communication major was a wonderful complement to political science. Um, I didn't learn to put the word storytelling to things until later, uh, but that's become also kind of a passion of mine because I, I do believe in our fast-paced, click-click-click world. Uh, the value of storytelling is even greater, mm-hmm. and it's becoming more and more and more of a lost art.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you have a passion like for stories when you were little? Like, did that come from reading stories, or do you think it was just communications organically flowed into? I think it
1: was more organic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't have the greatest memory. Um, <laughs> I'm such a in the moment kind of person, trying to be connected to wherever I am. That sometimes nice. my My memory isn't that great, Uh, so I I don't don't know if I can trace it all the way back to childhood, but uh, it certainly is something when you look back. I just think it's something innate for me.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Let's dive into M three. So you wanted to become an attorney, and you ended Mm -hmm. up working in the mailroom. And if you don't know what M three is to my listeners, M three is an insurance brokerage. So we help um, clients manage risk, keep people safe, and buy insurance, and that's kind of the heart of it all. That was what. Um, Vic told me on the first day of our internship, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the the story you lead. So let's start with the mailroom. What was it like?
1: Humbling. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was uh, I was really in between making this decision, and and uh, my last visit to M3 was to tell the founder that I was going to reject his offer to come to the organization <laughs> and go to law school wow. and, and two and a half hours later I was coming to the agency and not going to law school um, he was a, he was a good salesman and uh, part of what he did as an example was he told stories about the work that this business does for businesses and individuals and the impact you can have uh, both internally with clients and in the community and so I I, I said yeah I'm gonna give that a shot and I was sold enough on the story of what an insurance broker does to say, yeah, I'll start wherever I need to start. And that just happened wow. to be in our mail room. And so I would I would push the mail cart. I would at the time, because it was before, you know, emailing big files and things like that, I'd get in my car. I'd go to our insurance companies. I would pick up packages and I would deliver them to different people here <laughs> in, inside the company. Um, and there were times in full candor that I would be like, what am I doing? I have a college degree. Uh, You know, I I feel like this isn't necessarily exercising my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, I had those moments, uh, but it was all worth it because it allowed me to get set on a track that allowed me to progress through the organization and have so many roles here that I think it lends to my experiences now as a CEO. Mm
0: -hmm. And you you climbed the ranks pretty fast. You started in 1992. Mm -hmm. You were named CEO's at age 35 right in 2005
1: yeah i was 34 on january 1st of 2005. um i think a lot of that is is luck and timing from Mm a generational perspective here at the company okay and then um you know i'm not unique in terms of you know willingness to work hard um work in a team environment humble yourself take on new challenges i think lots of people do that Uh, That that just happened to be my path and so I got a chance to process Through a bunch of different roles in our employee benefits area and then um, because leadership has always been a huge passion of mine um, And I I can trace some of those examples back to my childhood um, That I just always found myself in leadership roles Um, that when those opportunities came at M3 I raised my hand quickly and, and, and said, I w- I'd like to try that. Hmm. And I'd like to do that. And the organization to this day, one of the things I love to say about this company that I want to make sure we never lose is that we are willing to take risk and chances with people that we see have potential. And so I think the organization saw that I had some and they were willing to take risks on me and with me in leadership positions at a young age and uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that I think that's still a big part of our culture today.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about the culture aspect. How did the culture shift when you became CEO? Did you see kind of a shift or did you have any goals with that?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can if I can point back to any big shifts, you know because in, in some ways, I, I want to be respectful of the culture that I inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we, we had a very client-centric, hardworking, and play hard culture, even when I was coming up. Okay. Um, I think the, the bigger piece was how, how could we export, especially the best parts of our culture connected to team and, and client uh, focused effort. How could we export that into a bigger, growing, more geographically diverse business? Because mm-hmm. when you can't manage by walking around,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is the company that I joined, it was small enough that you could call a staff meeting by standing up and, you know, having people get going. Awesome. Um, th- it really puts your culture to the test. And yeah. so we had to give away leadership. We had to try to export culture around how we wanted to treat ourselves and treat our customers and our communities and also be comfortable with the fact that the more people that you get involved, the less control that you have. You mm-hmm. have to be willingness to give away control and have – your culture get tweaked and bent a little bit and maybe show up in slightly different ways yeah. uh, and that that's okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it really was a, a process that evolved versus, you know, big revolution. And so I, I can't point to any specific date mm-hmm. after I became CEO, but I do like what our culture feels like now.
0: Yeah, I do too. Good. (laughs) As an intern here and somebody I hope chooses
1: M3, I'm glad that you do. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Let's talk a little bit more about M3's mission. So you, M3 is independent, privately owned, and you really hone in on organic growth. Can Mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit about why that is to someone who Mm -hmm. doesn't know M3?
1: Well, tying it back to culture, it allows us to grow one M3er and one client at a time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, there's areas of our industry where you know people are taking a directly opposite strategy to that um, but we think it's the best strategy for us and our team because it allows us to recruit people to join us who we think embody characteristics of generosity smarts competitiveness in, in wanting to compete the right way, <laughs> valuing being connected and the, and the value of team and what it looks like to be team. Boy, if side note, anybody wants to Get to the soft spot. I think of my heart and a lot of people's heart about what team looks like. Listen to those Bucks interviews after yeah. them winning the finals. And then the last thing um, is doing it when all else fails, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing. Um, and and often you don't need a handbook for that. You don't need a three-person tribunal to yeah. help you figure out what that is. Uh, do the right thing by people, by clients, by the community, by your trading partners. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I really feel like if, if we can stay focused on, on that, it's going to allow us to keep building the business and having an organic growth posture, which was the original part of your question, I think allows us to do that the best uh, way to stay private mm-hmm. and independent and not have an outside influence uh, tell us how to do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we like having that control. We get to do it. It's a we, us, our thing. We get to figure it out as a company.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and not an I, me, mean my thing. It's not Vic's rules. Yep. You know, it's not my stuff. Sorry to go third person there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think that's funny whenever anybody does. Yeah. Um, I, I do believe it's a we, us, our thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's exciting to see where we are going to take that.
0: I like that. One of the things I heard a lot when I was doing your research was, your values and how strong you are to your values. I think every person, I probably asked over 50 employees at M3, Wow! like what they would ask Vic. And they said, ask about his values, ask about what keeps him going. Wow. So let's talk about those values you got. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, that's the most extensive research anybody's ever done on me. So I'm sorry you had to do that. Um, I'm certainly not that interesting. The, uh, from a values perspective, uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that a, a few of them you know uh, some of them come out and I, you know i happen to be a christian and i think mm-hmm. some of them would certainly map over and, and people might be able to connect some dots but mm-hmm. you know loving your neighbor yeah. uh is something that is a huge value for me um and and your neighbor uh and and can be a lot of different people or, or types of relationships and and loving them can take on a lot of different forms yeah um I think having uh, a forgiving heart is really important because the last time I checked, uh, no one has a perfection element that even remotely goes to a hundred percent. So people are going to have good days, bad days. They're going to they're going to say the right thing. They're going to say the wrong thing. Um, and if we can examine intent uh, and, and see that they're uh, you know, really lined up in the right way that way, uh, I think we need to forgive. Mm-hmm. I also think having a humble generosity is important. Um, you know, This business has been built, I'll just keep using it from a business lens. Yeah. This business has been built uh, because of the collective effort
0: mm-hmm.
1: of who's on our team. This is not a heroic organization mm-hmm. that way. It's not one person. And so because of it, it's, it's a massively humbling endeavor to think, look at all these really talented people. Look at all the work that they're doing together. Look at how they're taking care of each other and our customers and our community. My goodness, uh, how can you not be humbled by all of that, <laughs> you know, that, that talent working together and wanna to do your part? Mm-hmm. And I think the last piece is, um, and, I, and I feel like this may be an area I've had, one of my biggest impacts on the organization is generosity. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think we're called to be generous with our time and with our money. Um, and when we aren't, when a senior person doesn't have time for a junior person, when we have an abundance of, of either gifts or money or things like that, and, and we don't share it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with people who, who genuinely could use that opportunity to have a, a lift up, I don't think we're doing our part. Um, and so those would be some of the things, loving your neighbor, uh, having a real humble heart, being willing to forgive, uh, having a generosity mindset and a bent, mm-hmm. you know, to how you live your life. Yeah. Those would be some of the main values that I, that I think of, uh, especially as it relates to other people.
0: Yeah. I have a question, and I don't know if I'm saying any of this right, but do you believe that your strong values attract other people with the same values and the same mission do you think that's helped you along the way
1: yeah i think you know i think um i think likes can attract Mm -hmm. i also think opposites can attract you know Mm -hmm. one of the things that um i think is important is to surround yourself with a real complementary skill set and there's a whole bunch of people here who Uh, have values that click with what I just mentioned and they also bring other things to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things, as a yes man, I love (laughs) to say yes. Um, You said yes to this. Right, there you go. (laughs) I can be taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. uh, As an example. Um, And it's good to have people around me to help me, uh, to help see sometimes like, no, Mike, it's okay to say no to that. Yeah. Or it's okay to not uh, participate in that item over there it's and yeah. so it, it really I think it really is important for there to be complementary skill sets and 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 personal value sets and so do I think it's helped attract people sure um, do, do I have an exclusive on those types of values no um, and, and I, I do think that people like being around others that help lift all of us to be the best version of ourselves though. So, um, and that's something I think I help contribute to. I think so. Just help. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm, a, I'm one person.
0: Yeah. You know. Interesting. Let's talk. This is a pretty prominent issue right now, but you say you're a yes man. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced burnout of taking on too much?
1: Sure. Um, I, yeah, there was a, a day uh, each year after I took over the CEO role, I would I would kind of thematically summarize it and they were all going to be chapters in a book someday, right? Who knows if it'll ever get written. But um, one of the chapters in the book that really came home to roost in about 2008, 2009 when the company was going through some some growing pains and Mm -hmm. a lot of them were because I was pushing too hard Mm -hmm. and trying to do too much uh, is uh, if you want something done right, do it together. The old adage is, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And I was trying to do too much myself, and I was getting burned out. Um, I had my one and only anxiety attack uh, at my house. Uh, If if you've ever had one, um, I don't wish it on you ever again. If you've never had one, I hope you never have one, if you're listening to this. But uh, my wife, we were getting ready for bed, and I like to goof around. She thought I was goofing around and then finally she's like oh this is real so she helped me uh lie down and catch my breath and but literally not being able to breathe is a a very strange sensation um and so that was a a big wake-up call for me i was in my late 30s at the time had a young family and i was trying to do way too much myself and Mm -hmm. so um that's been helpful to learn from that experience
0: how has your family supported you as a ceo
1: My family has been incredible um, my wife Karen, we we laugh now about it because our youngest just graduated from high school, and so we're entering a new stage of it's just us again It's like being back in our twenties and um there was a there was a significant period of time when I had a young family and when I was uh, trying to help build the business with some other people that uh candidly I wasn't home very much and there's some there's some regret there, and at the same time, we managed it the best that we could. You know, we did because we'd never done it before. Uh, but from 2000 to 2010, that was a big that was a big business building time for M3. And I probably, if I had to go back and do it over again, probably wouldn't have prioritized M3 quite as much as I did. Um, but you know my daughter being 12 in in 2010 my my middle son 10 and my youngest son seven or eight i was able to pivot and you know this last decade that we just ended of 2010 to 20 i feel like i had a much healthier balance of being a dad and being a husband and being a ceo Hmm.
0: pivoting is a common theme even in your personal life there it is yeah interesting that's very that's good that you were able to kind of look back and step back on that
1: i think karen and my kids would agree
0: yeah (laughs) awesome that's great let's talk a little bit more about your leadership strategy and kind Hmm. of how you lead do you have any kind of key things that you always come to in terms of leadership
1: i definitely have some default um i i'm a i'm a big believer in uh giving people less areas of responsibility so that they can go deeper on strategy and with people Um, and probably it's a product we're all a product of our experiences and one of the things as a smaller company that i watched m3 do and go through and struggle with at times is leadership having too much responsibility too many areas and it didn't allow them to go deep enough on both strategy and people and so Mm -hmm. that's one of the first things i think the second thing is to push them to uh, empower and trust their teams. You know, we have a little saying at M3 of, you know, we want to hire adults and get out of the way. Um, you know, another one is that we, we like to, to manage exceptions, not manage to the exception. Um, really influenced by Daniel Pink's work around drive and what, what gives people the motivation to want to go, go do their work every day, mm-hmm. autonomy, mastery, purpose. Yep. And so if our leadership team can understand that about human behavior, uh, and we talk a lot about that in terms of our leadership strategy and philosophy, uh, then I think we end up getting more right than wrong. And a lot of times in business, that's all you're striving for. Let's just get more right yeah. than wrong. Yeah. We're not going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, but if we do that from a leadership perspective, if we, if we truly understand that we're hiring adults and that we need to lead fewer areas and go deeper with people and strategy, I think we can win more.
0: Let's talk about your sales technique, the storytelling piece. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that that's a common theme in your role, even as CEO. I mean, oh, for sure. You tell awesome stories. <laughs> well, <I hope> so <laughs> tell me about kind of how this came to play in your mm-hmm. development professionally.
1: So I've had, I've had starts and stops with professional training about probably the best way that I can summarize sales training is learning how to truly listen and ask questions. Mm -hmm. Um, We get so busy as human beings try to sell or promote whatever it is we're trying to sell or promote Mm -hmm. that when we do deep inspection or reflection of our performance, we don't listen well and we don't ask good questions. Mm -hmm. And so coming through different sales training episodes in my life, um, that's probably the biggest thing that has been impressed upon me with that training that then it became a passion of mine and it also uh, leads well into storytelling. Mm -hmm. You don't know the right story to tell to land with your audience unless you ask great questions and listen first. Mm -hmm. Because if all you do is lead with story, how do you know it's the right story to tell? What if you end up triggering somebody? I don't work. And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, a product of that professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, where it fits with me naturally or personally is uh, I, I, like to, I like to help people feel comfortable through being sometimes self-effacing and telling stories and uh, you know, leveraging things that have happened in my personal life mm-hmm. to make a connection.
0: Yeah. Do you have any... Stories that come to mind where you just couldn't reach someone and it was just really challenging and you finally finally were able to connect with them. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I some people come to mind um in my personal life and and also here at M three. Uh often what it would take or what it took in those situations, now that I think about them, those two people just flashed into my mind. <laughs> It actually involved doing some research Hmm. Um, because sometimes you can get stuck with a relationship, Mm -hmm. whether it's personal or professional and doing some research with other people who are connected to that person where you get a chance to ask more questions and listen uh, can be really enlightening. Um, And that is probably the biggest key, if you will, to unlock some of those things for me. Mm-hmm. Ask more questions and listen and do some research with people that you know and trust that also care about that other person.
0: What's your favorite question to ask?
1: Mm. I I end up asking a lot of questions that sound a lot like, why is that important to you? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. Um, you know, something that you might remember from just sometime you know with your internship with m3 and with all of you Mm -hmm. the um, professional career example i gave all of you is try to become an investigative reporter Mm -hmm. and for us and for me being an investigative reporter means you don't stop at the first question once you hear something that's oh well that's new or interesting or unique or i didn't know that tell me more about that why is that important to you how long have you felt that way? Check, 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 check. Question, 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 question. <laughs> and uh, it kind of goes back a little bit to to selling. Yeah. Um, too many times when we're trying to promote our stuff, somebody gives us a nugget. We're going to stop listening. We're going to stop asking questions, and we're going to start telling you stories about my product or my service. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop. Slow down. Ask two, three, four, five more questions, and see what comes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. That's a that I think is a big piece, yeah. Uh, a, a big piece of of how that can be effective for you.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what is your why? If you ask that question, what motivates mm. you?
1: So, I actually was. I, would have a, I had a hard time articulating this until about 10 years ago. I can't even remember the workshop that I was in, but it was huh. truly around a workshop around purpose oh,
0: wow, okay. and,
1: and trying to discover your purpose. And cool. the way that it was distilled then through the work I did was people and their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at the DISC profile or <laughs> if you look at the uh, personality indexes that you would take at work, yeah. uh, I'm very motivated by uh, people. And I, I love being around people. I love uh, uh, influencing them. I love working in teams. I, lo- I love all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people and their potential unlocking it is, I, I, I truly believe, uh, a huge part of my purpose and my why. Mm-hmm. I like people that. and their potential.
0: Hmm. Just helping people grow mm-hmm.
1: in terms- And not the potential, to put a finer point on it, not the potential that, I think they have, or they should have,
0: okay.
1: unlocking their potential. So, coming up alongside them, like if it was you, mm-hmm. and it would be taking an active enough interest in w- what is your potential and what do you do, what do you see as your uh, strengths and future, and how can we unlock that? Mm-hmm. Um, not what I think it should be for you, because, like I said before, who am I? Yeah. I'm what you know. I, I don't live your life, and so. Hey. People and their potential.
0: Huh. Interesting. I know um, a lot of people say, like, being around people fills your cup, and that's what yes. drives you. What is it ever exhausting to be around people, or is that something that you've just had around you and fills
1: um, you up? No, I, 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 I do think I can get worn out or exhausted, and sometimes, you know, I, unfortunately for <laughs> – when I come home sometimes after uh, a full day of going full throttle, yeah. it's like I need some couch time, and I'm not always <laughs> the best conversationalist yeah. for Karin. You run out um, of words. Yeah, you kind of run <laughs> and run out of space to listen. You just need yeah. some time. Um, but it, it truly is the stuff for me that God, turns my motor over. Yeah, It really is. <laughs> um, I probably... Need to be more disciplined about taking time for myself. Um, not probably. I do. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a lifelong journey, right, to yeah, learn? So of course. I still got I still got some time, hopefully, to learn uh-huh. that skill set. I'm not a great planner. Okay. You know, one of the things uh, uh, Karin and I have been talking about recently is as the kids leave the house, how do we do more intentional planning things for us? Yeah. Because we don't naturally do that and so what can happen is our calendars can get filled up with a lot of stuff yeah. for our this company or other people and it's all good mm-hmm. right but before you know it a week or two can go by and it's like we haven't even grabbed dinner together mm-hmm. um intentionally yeah you know it's been more on the run kind yeah. of thing so interesting yeah that's our next it's kind of our next path on that piece is yeah. how do we how do we even if you're a people-oriented uh, person, how do you carve out time for yourself?
0: Oh. Do you practice mindfulness at all? Because you mentioned staying in the moment.
1: So I don't, not nearly enough. Interestingly, <laughs> my brother, David, who's at uh, Northwestern, uh, he's big into it. Okay. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he, he works with um, uh, cancer survivors and he does a lot of work with people who are living with cancer, and so one of the one of the tools that he tries to use with both uh, people he sees and their families is practicing mindfulness mm-hmm. and the power of it. Um, yeah. And so I should probably call my brother more often. <laughs> that's that's the yeah. that's what I'm realizing myself just in answering that question.
0: Yeah, I think you hold because people can practice it and like actually meditate, but you have those skills where you are able to read people in the moment and you like to stay in that moment. And Mm. I think that's what really resonates with how you're able to connect with clients in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. Just before this podcast, um, we were with a prospective client of M3. And one of the things that was front and center was, um, we were trying to break through and and get to another place to to get closer to having them say yes to m3 yeah and one of the things that my teammate and i that were at this breakfast had to do was really make sure we slowed down and listened well enough and asked enough questions and stay in the moment Mm -hmm. so that we didn't race ahead Mm -hmm. um and often staying in the moment, you don't. You sometimes feel like you don't make as much progress because you didn't get to say <laughs> what you wanted to say. Yeah. Um, but in the end, that's the stuff that matters more anyway. Yeah. Of if you're here and present and engaged, um, like I said before, you're a better listener. You ask better questions, and I think it actually moves along better.
0: Oh, I like that. I didn't think mindfulness would come up, but I'm glad it. Did. There we go. Interesting. What is, do you have a favorite story that comes to mind when you think of M3? I know you've been here a while. You probably have a lot, but Hmm. what's your favorite story?
1: Wow. I just, so I'll tell you the favorite setting. How's that? Um, And then it's played itself out um, (laughs) multiple times. And because because I enjoy history, because I respect my, growing up i always respected my elders i respect hard work i respect loyalty and longevity Um, we have had and i've had a chance to live through uh, people that end their career at m3 and part of what uh, we one of the ways we describe it for the people that are in attendance is we're going to invite you into the m3 living room tonight Mm -hmm. you're going to get a chance to sit on our couch with our people and raise a glass and reminisce and be grateful and thankful for everything that this person has been. Yeah. And uh, most recently, um, we had a situation with uh, Rick Akula, okay. And after a, a long, long, long uh, impactful career at M3, um, you know, he started his process of, of retiring and, and we had an incredible uh, shareholder Uh, discussion about Rick Mm -hmm. and it was um, I mean people were crying and people were telling stories and uh, it's so cool because his daughter is also a partner and so she got to hear all this and that's the kind of stuff that again a lot of people that maybe don't have enough experience with business they may not think that stuff happens in business
0: yeah
1: Uh, but those are some of my favorite stories thinking about the number of times we've gotten to a chance to really sit in the M3 living room and and honor somebody in their career and and respect them.
0: So when your time comes, Mm -hmm. what is that legacy that you want to leave at M3? It's
1: funny that came up in a meeting earlier this week. (laughs) And so in a a strange way for me, legacy is important. And at the same time, um, it's not that important. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean by that. I, I care a lot that I've hopefully contributed to the enterprise, make an impact, mm-hmm. leave, leave an impact, leave things people can use when I'm finished. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, in so many ways, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And uh, it isn't about me. Yep. It's about we, us, and our. And the next set of people that are going to take things... Are going to naturally going to have to take things in some ways that could be the same so maybe you could chalk that up to legacy but they're also gonna to have to take things in a different direction or make a different turn mm-hmm. and so I don't want anybody that follows me to get caught up especially from pressure from me uh, to, to stay true or follow my legacy um, if if anything uh, because I think these things are enduring, they're not unique to me, but hopefully it's been modeled as how we treat people and team and people first and do the right thing. I do hope that's something I can do well enough and consistently enough that um, that, that people want to remember and try to continue to emulate.
0: I like that. I have a few more questions. Sure. But what advice would you give to your 21-year-old mm.
1: self? Well, I've got some kids in that age, but you know, if I went back and, uh, talked to myself, I probably would, I probably would be telling a 21 year old self, um, uh, how can you slow down just a little bit? Cause I, I went so fast. I was, yeah. I was on the move like crazy. How can you slow down enough to learn and gain even more perspective? Because the cool thing for me here, and I think for anybody that would come to M3 or anybody that would go in whatever path life has them to take, life is such an incredible teacher. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And too many times, especially at that stage of our lives, um, we're not necessarily ready to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of times uh, people that might be 20 or 30 years your senior when you're in your 20s, mm-hmm. they're always trying to grab you and have you slow down a little bit.
0: And as a 20-something And a
1: 20 person, you're always kind of like, no, oh, but I want to go. Yeah. go, I want to go, I want to go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and so I, I think that's part of the natural order of things, yeah. right? which is yeah. fine. My grandma does it all the time. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for equating me to your grandma. No. Um, but, but sincerely, it's one of those things where if I could go back, it would be like, oh, just a little. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> um, because there's, there's wisdom in the people that life is having come into your path, and, and life is teaching me something in I learning. Yeah. Am I learning.
0: What's the biggest lesson you've had just in your career that you were like, oh, this definitely taught me something? Mm.
1: So uh, we had some sincere success, I believe, in our state standing up uh, new locations to do business in Mm -hmm. and we we did it uh, one person at a time one customer at a time one community relationship at a time and in in 2009 we tried to go to denver yep and uh one of the things that we we learned from that is those efforts and that endeavor is completely different Mm -hmm. and we approached it Far too much like we were standing up in office in Wausau or Green Bay, mm. and what it revealed is um, because we had had some success, we had some hubris. Mm. We liked ourselves some self. <laughs> we thought <laughs> ourselves some smart, <laughs> right? Thought we had it figured out.
0: Yeah.
1: And we clearly didn't.
0: Okay.
1: We clearly didn't. Yeah. So that was a big, that was a big humbling learning experience for us. Yeah. Probably the story that comes to mind.
0: Okay, I have one final question. It pays homage to where um, Going Places started out. So my podcast started out as a travel show. Oh. And I kind of grew it to interview entrepreneurs and people like yourself who are really changing the world. But my final question always stumps everyone I interview. So All right. if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? If you
1: could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? Oh, I don't think like that. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to go anywhere, everywhere. Um, where would I not go? Based on what I've heard from some of my um, professional groups I'm involved in, China.
0: Huh. Why?
1: Uh, some of the feedback I've gotten about um, a lot of the places there the pollution the yeah. um you know the I, i'm not as intrigued enough about culture
0: yeah
1: i think that's radically different from ours to want to go
0: huh.
1: um how about that
0: i've never gotten that one how
1: about that china <laughs>
0: good answer <laughs>
1: um well it's an answer <laughs> yeah. i don't I don't know i might change my mind if i think about yeah. it for 30 more minutes but i just i've had i've had some interesting conversations about the the culture there and it if you could go sure but it doesn't sound like it would be well let's put it this way it doesn't sound like a place that like i want to go back yeah so if there was a pick place i had to pick that i, I i'm not going to go to i'll pick that
0: okay good answer where can my listeners find m3 and yourself
1: Mm. well M3INS.com, (laughs) M3INS.com. And then, uh, you know, we're all over LinkedIn. You know, we're trying to do our very best to be socially active as a business. And so LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that, we'll we'll be all over that.
0: Your Twitter profile is a picture of you and Aaron Rodgers. Did you meet him?
1: So that is not Aaron Rodgers.
0: It looks so much like him. Which is why I do it. (laughs) Um,
1: I was actually on a, a boys' trip with a bunch of guys, a bunch of youpers that I went to high school with. We've been doing this trip ever since we got out of high school, so it's been a long, long time. It's a great opportunity for 15 of us to reconnect usually every year. Uh And we were in San Diego, and we were having a darty. (laughs) And right next door to our house, this dude walks out with his shirt off and his big mustache, and I'm like, it looks like you're in (laughs) Rogers. And so I walked over and said, I know you're not in Rogers, but you look like enough of it that we're going to take a selfie And so that's what, that's the backstory of that deal.
0: (laughs) That's an interesting story. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being in the show. I really, honestly, it's been incredible to work at M3, and I love just listening about your values and just the respect that you hold for the company and how much people look up to you in the company.
1: Well, thank you, Kara.
0: It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Going Places. If this is your first time checking out my podcast, thanks so much for tuning in. If you are returning, I really appreciate your listenership. I mean, you guys really keep me going and I really appreciate all of the amazing listeners I have. If you are an M3 employee, thank you from the bottom of my heart for making our internship just a, an incredible experience. I've had so much fun, and if you're new to M3, I encourage you to check them out. They're a really great company, especially for their internship program, but also for the quality of insurance they provide. If you liked this episode, I encourage you to check me out on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, and wherever you can find me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I really I'm so inspired and motivated by anyone who tunes into my podcast. Thank you. I can't wait to see where you go. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.